This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John as we begin a new series. It was inspired by the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, where in the back it has a different portrait for Christ from each chapter of the Gospel of John. So I've entitled this series, Portraits of Christ from the Gospel of John. So we're looking at John chapter 1 and see the beautiful picture that John portrays of who Christ is from the first chapter. We're going to read the first 18 verses of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is, and how he's presented by the disciple John, the one whom... Jesus loved, who would lean on his bosom at mealtime. Lord, thank you for this wonderful testimony we have. Speak to our hearts 
as we look at your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. The word becomes Emmanuel, John chapter 1. What is the response that we should have as we go through the Gospel of John, and in particular chapter 1? Our response should be twofold. We should believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, we should worship him. I tremble when I handle the word of God. And I'll tell you why. Because we're not talking about something that's merely intellectual. We're talking about something that is supernatural, something that is glorious. When we're talking about who Jesus Christ is and he's revealed right before our eyes, we can't help but want to fall flat on our faces and worship him and praise his holy name. We're on holy ground this morning as we look at the portrait of Jesus given to us in the first chapter of John. Now, having studied it thoroughly, I have boiled it down to these top revelations of who Jesus is. He is the Word. He is the life, who is also the light of the world. He is the Son, God with us as well. He's the Messiah, and he's the Lamb of God. Let's see how this is presented to us by John. First of all, in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and chapter 1, verse 14, the concept of the word is mentioned four times in this chapter. Three times in chapters, uh, in verses 1 to 3, and once in verse 14. John writes, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him... Nothing was made that has been made. So first of all, we must understand why John used the word, the word. The, the word in Greek is logos. In Hebrew, it's debar. And what he's doing is he's appealing to both a Jewish and a Gentile audience using the word logos. You see, for Greek philosophers, the word logos means a concept. And for the Jews, the word debar means a specific word coming from God's mouth. So he's getting everyone's attention. The word existed and was around from the very beginning. And he gets our attention with the first three words. In the beginning. Have you ever heard those words before? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. There's no mistake what John is doing here. He is saying that Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is the creative power who created all things. He was with God. He was God. And he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, 15 to 17, Paul writes, The Son is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Right there, we fall down before Jesus, and we worship him and say, You are God. You created all there is. And we are so thankful for that. In verse 14, it says, The Word, the Logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So not only is he the creator, but he also camped among us. He pitched his tent in our neighborhood, as one translation puts it. The literal Greek is he tabernacled among us. The tabernacle, of course, was representative of the presence of God in the Old Testament. And God was in the Holy of Holies of this tent that the Israelites had to bring with them throughout the wilderness. And Jesus tabernacled among us. God took on flesh and was incarnated, means meat was put on him. He had a physical body, and this is very important, because by the time John is writing this, in A.D. 85, the roots of false teaching have already been developed. Docetism and other teachings would say that Jesus was not really God, and he really didn't become a human being because the flesh is evil. And John is saying, no, he truly became human. He truly is God. So a way, a way to summarize the teaching about the Word is that the Word speaks about the eternality. That is, that Jesus is God. He always existed. He was, he is, and always shall be. The eternality of God. And we're going to see this in chapter 1 when John the Baptist says, um, he who came after me is greater than me, surpasses me, because he was before me. It's a wonderful riddle. How can John say he came after me? He was born three months after I was born, but yet he existed before me. The pre-existing Christ is eternal. Second thing about the Word is the creative power of the Word that he created the heavens and the earth and all there is, and he sustains all of creation. And the revelatory nature of the Word is this, that Jesus is the total, final message of God to us. Jesus is the self-expression of God to us. Jesus is the full embodiment of all God is. And we read about this in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory 
in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Right there, we praise the Lord Jesus because he's creator God, because he camped among us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And he says, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is the final, complete, total word of God. We praise God, praise Jesus for who he is. Now, he's also known as the life and the true light. Let's read about that in John 1, 4-9. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a theological word called aseity. A-S-E-I-T-Y. Aseity. The word aseity means to have life within yourself. God has life within himself. Jesus has life within himself. We as humans cannot create a Frankenstein and give him life because we don't have life in ourselves. God is the source of life and he gives life because he is life. He has life. Jesus is going to say later, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the only way we can have life is from God's hand and Jesus is the light of all mankind and he shines in darkness, darkness representing um, the darkness of sin, the darkness of Satan's um, rule on this world. And though Satan wants to snuff out the light, he can't. And I have to tell you something that's nostalgic. Back in 1973, there was a cantata called Alleluia, a praise gathering for believers written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. And I used to listen to that all the time. And there was this one, God gave me a song. And it's a little simple piano playing. There was a song. And no matter how much the world tried to silence the song or drown out the song or kill the song, they couldn't. And just when you think the song is gone, the piano starts playing again. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the light. He uh, extinguishes the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome him. Now, to reinforce this, John writes that there was a witness to the light, and that would be John the baptizer. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. That's the goal of the book of John. I write these things that you may believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through the, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, the Jewish people. But his own, the Jewish people, did not receive him. Let's just think about Jesus as the true light for a moment. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have 
the light of life. In John 12, 36, he says, Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. In John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Of course, Paul spoke about this in Ephesians 5, 8. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And so here we have the teaching of Jesus as the light. He's the light of the world, and he lights up the darkness of, by forgiving your sin and entering into your life by his Spirit. In John 1, it says in verses 12 and 13, uh, 11 and 12, Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. In other words, here's the one who created everything. He's the source of your life. He lights up your life. He comes to you, and you don't even recognize him. You don't know him, and you don't want anything to do with him. But for those who do trust in him, and those who believe on his name, they are born again. They're born from above, as we'll see in John chapter 3. Not only is uh, Jesus the word and the life and light, he's the son. We see this in John 1, 14 and 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Many of you are familiar with the phrase, the only begotten. For example, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now, why is that a misleading translation of the Greek? Because it sounds like there was God the Father and he had a child, Jesus, who was born at some point in time. That's incorrect. That's a King James translation of the Greek. The better translation is one and only son. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. The emphasis is not on a period of time where he began to exist. The emphasis is on the uniqueness of Jesus. That's the true teaching that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are the Trinity. They are of one essence, and Jesus the Son is unique in his role. And yet he represents the Father full of grace and truth. We see no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, the unique Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, and he has made the Father known. And in verse 49, when uh, Nathanael meets Jesus, and Jesus says, I saw you sitting under the fig tree, he exclaims, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus says, that's nothing. If you if you're proclaiming me to be the son of God just because I told you I saw you before you came over here under a fig tree, uh, 
you'll see angels uh, ascending and descending from me. So much greater. He's also the Messiah, John 1. He did not fail to confess, this is John the Baptist, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. John replied in the words of Isaiah 40, verse 3, the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for the Messiah. So John was not the Messiah, but he's preparing people to receive the Messiah with a message of repentance and baptism. In John 1, it goes on to say, I myself did not know him. This is the testimony of John the Baptist. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, John the Baptist says, and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And that's what Messiah means. It means anointed one, God's chosen one. It's Messiah in Hebrew and Christ in Greek. Jesus is the Messiah. When Andrew um, went to get his brother Simon Peter, he said, we have found the Messiah, the anointed one, that is the Christ. Again, Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is Greek. Philip, when he found Nathaniel, his brother Nathaniel, he said, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, saying he is the Messiah. And then when Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, he says, you are the king of Israel, another name for the Messiah. Jesus is also the lamb of God. John 1.29, when John saw, John the baptizer saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the next day, John the baptizer was there with two disciples, and he said, look, the Lamb of God. And his disciples went and followed Jesus. So we are to believe on and worship Jesus, who is the Word. He's the creator, and he is the source of life, and he is the light. He is the unique Son of God who is fully God, who took on flesh to be among us and with us. He is the anointed one, the chosen one of God, the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So two questions as I wrap up this message. Number one, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? With this kind of presentation by John of how great Jesus is, it does not leave us the option of saying Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a person who died for a cause and was a very um, notable martyr. No, none of those options are on the table. Jesus is God. Jesus is the life and the light of the world. He is the unique son of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the chosen one, the, the promised Messiah. He is the Lamb of God. And our sins are forgiven by his sacrifice on the cross. That's who Jesus is. Have you trusted in him for your salvation? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, 
and to be your Savior and Lord. This is evidence that demands a verdict. And then secondly, have you been a Christian so long you've become jaded and stale and you're looking for something new because you think, oh, I know the Bible and I've been to church for many years. Let me tell you, open your eyes and see Jesus for who he is. And when you see Jesus for who he is, you can't help but want to worship him and to praise him for his greatness and for all he's done for you to come to this earth, to go to the cross, to rise from the dead, to be your Lord and to be sovereign and in charge of everything. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, if we have not trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we do so right now. We thank you for John's testimony and witness that he's given in the Gospel of John that Jesus is God. Jesus is Messiah, Savior, Lord, and we trust in you, Jesus, for our salvation. Forgive us of our sins, O Lamb of God. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins so your blood could wash them all away and come into our lives. Be our Savior and Lord. We want to follow you and know you and tell others about you. And Lord, we worship you. We worship you. You are worthy of all praise. We look forward to the day when people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation shall be around the throne of God and they shall in worship say, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who has purchased all these people for God the Father. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy of our praise and adoration. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for living among us that you are our sympathetic high priest. You know exactly the struggles and troubles that we go through. And we thank you that you're with us always, and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That means so much to us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.